Hello and welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. In this last part of my conversation with ketamine therapist Carolyn Jordan, we first talk about harm reduction associated with the use of psychedelic substances. We discuss how meditation and certain rules of thumb can help with paranoia and bad trips. Then we discuss the war on drugs, an unnecessarily punitive justice system, and how today's psychedelics renaissance is getting tied up with some concerning movements such as identity politics. Next, Jordan tells us about the connection between psychedelics and the body in a culture that primarily focuses on the mind. He sees psychedelics as the mental analog of yoga, of stretching the mind in order to re-ground it in stability. Finally, we discuss the very interesting transpersonal experiences, which are experiences that are outside of being the person that one is inside a body at that particular space and time. I end our conversation with pulling both of them about their view on religion as it is informed by all of their experiences. If you enjoy visiting the Room of Lives, consider donating Ether, Dai, or other Ethereum-based coins to abhranil.eth. That's A-B-H-R-A-N-I-L dot E-T-H. So both of you mentioned, so you mentioned that you have some uh, background in harm reduction. You said personal experience with uh, psychedelics and harm reduction. And you also wanted to talk about harm reduction, so I thought this might be a good time to talk mm. about it. Yeah, and um, there's all the basic stuff that I think a lot of people hear about, like testing your shit. Um, there's also this whole thing that of uh, illegality and so-called war on drugs, which adds an element of fear and stress to the experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. so unless you're doing a breath work and initiating a psychedelic experience, that way there's, or legal ketamine therapy, there's not a lot of opportunity that comes through normal channels. So first thing is to not get caught up in that, in the, law enforcement system really is a punishment system um the war on drugs is not a war on drugs it's a war on people mm -hmm. and well and it's a control through fear yeah yeah so really being mindful of how i got this substance and the fear and stress that comes through it and finding ways to not let that impinge itself into the experience like creating safe safe environments for yourself. I think this is happening more and more at festivals and Burning Man and stuff like that. So, um, and the, the wonderful thing is we have the internet, which is just countless, you know, tales of all sorts of drug use and combinations and horror stories and yeah, uh, incredible miracle mm. stories. And anything you're thinking of, chances are someone who's... <laughs> came before you has probably tried it or done it and so getting their stories and also realizing that sometimes people people are gonna bullshit on it and not necessarily know how to frame the experience so 
I really feel like it's good to want to like to pack your intellectual bags in a sense, but not too much so that you're bringing baggage into the experience, but coming in as sort of your own psychiatrist and you're empowering yourself to your own facilitator, your own prescriber, yeah, your own shaman in a sense, because there's, there's not a lot of structure to, to have safe experiences. So consciously creating that for yourself, um, by being wise about how you go about it. Don't get arrested. I mean, the front line of the drug war is the traffic stop and cops getting in the car. So knowing how to talk to police, knowing how to how to just be a cool uh, small fish. And um, yeah, like there's a great Instagram account that I follow called Pop Brothers at Law. And they have a, they have a script that they give that is for talking with police if you get pulled over. And you stick to this, you're in safe legal territory. Pop Brothers at Law. Pop Brothers at Law, yeah. It's really, and they continually repeat themselves over and over on it. Um, so keeping yourself physically and legally safe, I think, is really super important. And realizing that your unconscious could send signals up that are very confusing, that are very difficult, even with things like MDMA that are called ecstasy, you might feel mm-hmm. all kinds of things on that. Um, ecstasy is just a word that some clever marketing person came up with it's um it's not an accurate description of of that experience it used to be called empathy i think it well one of the reasons that people used to call it just e on the streets was that it was an empathogen mm-hmm. yeah. used to be prescribed by marriage counselors mm-hmm. to couples yeah. who were having a hard time yeah yeah it's beautiful to use that way yeah, yeah and really it's in um using like harm reduction is about listening to your body and and listening to the signals and maybe stressing yourself out a bit, maybe taking the dose that scares you, but creating a safe a safe container for yourself. Yeah, because if you want to get stronger, you have to stress yourself a bit. I think um, it's kind of like a workout or yoga posture. You have mm. to get a bit or possibly very uncomfortable. So just allowing for the fact that this could, a bad trip could happen. And that's okay. Like decide beforehand, no matter what, I'm making the most of this. So it's about creating this psychological and physical safety around yourself, along with testing and testing the substances. I think it's important to, if you're going to do solo work, to have at least one person know you're going in. Yeah. That you can reach out to if you get into trouble. Yeah. Um... And then just trusting yourself and the medicine. Um, Yeah, and whenever you set your container, you know, like, don't go out, don't leave your container until you're no longer tripping. Um, I mean, I think people get into trouble because they leave their container or they get in a bathtub or oh, yeah, plenty of people have died in bathtubs and with like with ketamine people like to take it on the dance floor and that's i mean it has a bad reputation with some people because they've seen people falling into k-holes in public and it looks pretty bad <laughs> what does it look like from the outside it looks like something's severely wrong with the person and they seem disoriented and might be making noises or seeming like they're in genuine danger when actually they're not. They're just in a bad place to have that experience. 
I forget the medical term for it, but there's often a rapid eye movement where the eyes are moving around. Mm. Um, and it could be more limpness, but it could also be kind of interesting body movements. Yeah, you, and if you're going to use things, you should be aware that you might do something like you might affect other people. Don't just think about yourself. You could get other people in trouble. You could cause a lot of distress. So just it's about being considerate and mm. empathetic and thinking about all the things that could happen. Yeah. Being mindful of your set and setting and your dosage. Did you test the product? Do you know where it came from? Do you know what to say? And I, I think I'm saying this because people are going to do this shit anyway. I mean, people are going to going to do illegal things, illegal drugs, so-called, in public, and changing the way we think about that and taking away the punishment and the stress will actually, I think, help people be more responsible. Mm. So yes. There's this almost teenagerly thing of wanting to do something stupid and self-destructive and see if you can get away with it. Yeah. Well, and there's less knowledge and education if it's illegal than dosing and if it's a safe product. And, I mean, all of it is more dicey when it's... And there's so many analogs, like analogs of MDMA, some of which are beautiful compounds, but they require very different doses. And knowing that something could even could come up on a reagent test is similar, but the dosing is so important. And I know so many people in this community, like they don't have a scale, a mm-hmm. monogram scale, like get a fucking scale. It's like $30. <laughs> yeah. You need to know your dose. You yeah. wouldn't, you want to know how much ibuprofen you're taking. You don't want to overdo ibuprofen. Yeah. Or people tell me like, oh, I took a tab of, they, they think uh, LSD is dosed by tab. Like, <laughs> oh, I took two tabs. Well, that could be 10,000 micrograms. That could be. Yeah. 10 micrograms like yeah how do you measure that though with lsd tabs i don't you can't really you have to i mean you could send them i think you could send it off to there's services that do that there's energy control in spain um there might i don't know if there's something in the u.s but Mm. yeah it's really difficult to know yeah 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 so um when i read the book uh how to change your mind Mm -hmm. It kind of uh, reaffirmed some notions concerning what to do when you're you know, getting into a bad trip or something like that. And I and I read in that book about these things called flight instructions. Mm-hmm. Or like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Even from the perspective of uh, meditation, it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That when you're approaching something negative, instead of resisting it, to to really respect it, to first like welcome, welcome to all you know, welcome. welcome all of this, and if there's some some scary monster or something that appears, you go towards it and mm-hmm. you say, "What do you have to teach me?" Yeah. Why are you in my mind? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and something else that is kind of motivated by my meditation practice is rather than get so lost in the narrative surrounding the whatever like negativity I'm feeling now and what I should do about it, to try and make immediate contact with the source of it all, which is some pleasant sensation, unpleasant sensation in my body. Mm-hmm. Where is it coming from? Oh, okay. Let's spend a couple of seconds first uh, locating the breath 
and then like going in and saying is my chest tightening yeah. like is the back of my neck getting warm right now mm-hmm. and uh, to really acknowledge the source of this unpleasantness that that I'm feeling and for me and like not to be complaining in my head about that fact that this is happening but to really be to try to be as close to the center of this as possible and that, that has ended up really reframing some of these what I would otherwise call bad trips or yeah. or negative experiences thank you for saying that yeah yeah mm-hmm. flight instructions are important so um sometimes uh when a friend of mine who has never done psychedelics is getting it from me i'm like wait i i can't just like give you this mm-hmm. i have to tell you a lot of yeah education and, yeah uh so yeah and yeah so the the thing that i was mentioning earlier about so i used to not have as healthy a psychology as i have today even like 5 years ago i was especially in an especially Ditto. bad uh, yeah uh place in my life mm-hmm. and i used to notice that very easily on weed i would get paranoid mm-hmm. i would get paranoid just like have a bad trip and look around people with who had taken way higher doses than me it would be just like frolicking around constant questioning what is wrong with you neil what is wrong with you what is wrong with your brain you're just neurotic person it's what is going on uh and i used to take that as a signature that something is physiologically wrong with my brain compared to other people and then i'm just fated mm-hmm. to be this way mm-hmm. um it's quite a story yeah and then over time uh, as i got more and more into meditation and this i learned this paradoxical lesson of going into what is being perceived as a suffering mm-hmm. going into it uh and welcoming it and over time it really kind of completely transformed i mm-hmm. i was no longer so afraid of it wasn't like i now had this like silver bullet that i'm never going to feel bad mm-hmm. either in life or on mm-hmm. some kind of psychedelic but my relationship to that initial like hit of uh un- unpleasantness it completely changed. It was like I'm going to go the exact opposite direction. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to go in the direction and be very welcoming. And all the like paranoia like almost like entirely disappeared. Like I've done like way way stronger doses and I can tell that what I'm experiencing right now is completely overwhelming. I'm like far out in outer space. I don't even know whose body this is. <laughs> At some time in my uh, in my life it would have completely freaked me out yeah and uh it's like wow this is like all really very new and i really thank meditation for making some of these psychedelic experiences possible yes because if it were not for that that same the same dose would have been like a completely bad bad experience uh for me so so when someone is like taking a psychedelic for the first time and they don't have any background in meditation mm-hmm. i can tell them everything so i'll just tell them a little bit in like colloquial terms about what to do when you're yeah. starting to feel something negative to like mm-hmm. go in its direction and like welcome it mm-hmm. yeah so uh, in my mind that has also something that has helped a lot in reducing the potential harm yeah i think meditation is hugely important mm-hmm. and i think meditation that is okay with cuz you can i think you can avoid things sometimes some people avoid things with meditation but the kind of meditation that actually 
allows those un- yeah. uncomfortable things. Yeah, the witnessing kind, like yeah, it's really it's, a discomfort. It's tough, like starting out. Be, yeah, doing yeah. that if you haven't done it before. Yeah, I mean, me starting out meditation, I felt like an obese person going to the gym. And I'm just like, eh, oh my god, this is so scary. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and two, if you have trauma and hypervigilance, it's really hard to meditate. Sometimes impossible, I would argue, because you're mm-hmm. flooded. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta like bite-sized chunks. I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or things like things like ketamine. I think they give you this window of calm afterwards sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's when you can go for those things that normally are really difficult, like meditation or mm-hmm. or exercise. Yeah, and yeah. for people who haven't had experiences with meditation or psychedelics before we always take the low and slow approach low dose move slow mm-hmm. go up yeah tiny amounts yeah and it may take six sessions before we even get to a psychedelic place yeah and definitely avoiding ego loss for a while purposely for them to get comfortable with just allowing the experience to happen before they feel comfortable letting go and it's not a process that we feel should be rushed yeah and sometimes i think uh many people they'll take too high of a dose like tripping at home or something and it's important to own those things. Like maybe there's some higher wisdom sometimes in shocking yourself and mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you're floored by something from your unconscious or from this, from whatever medicine, like sometimes those experiences are really hairy and can get ugly, but um, they can also be super valuable. Maybe they weren't wise, but so that's a big part of life is just making mistakes sometimes and how do you handle the mistakes? Yeah. You learn your you learn your limits and you learn that limits aren't what that you think they are. You learn how to how to get into the edges. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to add to the topic of harm reduction? I'm thinking of something Terrence McKenna said that one thing you can do if things are getting really difficult is sing. I haven't tried this, but I've I know sometimes people I've I've had friends watching them trip like they'll start doing intonations with their voice and vibrating themselves with their voice and yeah you have a you have this incredible instrument you can use that and i can't imagine it's hard it's a way to stay centered and to like vibrate yourself in the way that you want to be i'm sure i'm going to think of some other things later but i'm a little brain dead on it right now yeah um, so you touched a little bit on your views on the war on drugs, where you kind of wanted to talk about generally about the war on drugs and also the general direction of the psychedelic movement. And you put movement within quotes. I do that a lot. And I do that with, I say so-called war on drugs because yeah. I would love for us to call it other things because mm. there's a really interesting book um, about Nazi Germany and it's how it handled drugs. It's called Blitz, and they have something incredibly similar to our so-called war on drugs. And it's also I think we kind of got the model from them. 
so calling it other things like um you know it's uh it's a punishment system it doesn't you know drugs are winning the drug war the 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 number of analogs that have been developed as a result of thing of drugs getting scheduled is ridiculous i mean and a lot of some of the analogs are kind of not that great <laughs> you see this with synthetic cannabinoids and it's a crazy it's a crazy world and like i think that people in the psychedelic movement are afraid of that system because it's still very punitive and i see people who are involved in research are afraid to come out about their own use which is really sad um so i think i think we should always think about our language around that war and it, it is definitely a war just mm. know that um that might affect you more than you think it does and on a karmic level you as a psychedelic user you're getting you know lsd from someone who might get arrested and get thrown in the slammer for 30 years someday and like you're a part of that on a on some level in that ecosystem so just thinking about those things it's a really mm. kind of a, a shitty deal we've dealt ourselves yeah so um and i don't hear people in the psychedelic movement i say movement because it's it's not one thing but it does feel like a collective shift happening um i don't think it's a very diverse movement i see that almost everyone is like politically left-leaning and um there's a lot of bringing in identity politics into it and a lot of fear of cultural appropriation and a lot of things that are kind of that i think you if the more you grow um you get past a lot of that and a lot of the like tiptoeing around things tiptoeing around issues and you can just be truthful and honest and and call bullshit so i mean the the amazing thing about like going to psychedelic conferences people are so friendly and open and i love that like you encounter people who are obviously on a social level just more advanced and it's so so refreshing especially for me someone who's been way more introverted mm -hmm. um and i see like kind of possibly very scummy things happening in, in movement like you know peter peter thiel is one of the backers of compass pathways which is developing psilocybin for depression um yeah there's some weird things going on jamie wheel the guy who wrote stealing fire um do, do you know that uh it's a book about like optimizing yourself as a human getting into flow states and using psychedelics and he got up at the maps dinner um a couple weeks ago and was telling us you know watch out because this this movement now it's coming to a place where it's reaching this critical mass where the sharks start to come in and people who are really ruthless and not good and um in it for the wrong reasons or they're just not initiated themselves um just wanting to make money so i think it's there's a lot of great people in this field but it's always good just to be wise not get caught up in trying to change the world or like we're going to save the planet like yeah. just work on yourself yeah. do your work like don't get too out here yeah. this like, could be a version of fucking it up oh yeah oh totally yeah getting into that's that's just humans have been through that cycle so many times like this mania where we're gonna do all this good and change things and yeah. it turns kind of authoritarian yeah. so 
I feel like you have to be like almost narcissistic. What feels like narcissism really focus on like, where is my shadow in all of this? Where's the edge of my shadow? And um, to what extent am I, um, to what extent am I trying to feed myself through a healers? Like people who work as in the healing modalities will sometimes try to feed themselves with other people's pain and you're absorbing other people's pain. It kind of like, you're the healer and you're, you're oh, helping yeah. people. You can all yeah. get very I'm cloudy. definitely given to that. What? I am definitely given to that. Like, I, I, I noticed that I have this kind of, like, white knight yeah. mentality. That, yeah, and if I could just yeah, get I this person... I want to be needed as a protector. Yeah. And a helper. It's archetypal. It's very powerful. Yeah. And it's valid, but it needs to be balanced out with all these other wisdoms and concerns. Yeah, and I think that is something to look out for, too, if someone is wanting to find a guide or go to a ceremony, is who's leading it? What are they like? You know, there are self-proclaimed gurus that are predatory and have huge egos. How do, how do you not work with that person how do you, I, you can do you, always ask a practitioner how many times have you had this medicine like if you go to therapy you should ask that therapist you've been in therapy yourself some haven't so like you can only take going to one of these underground been. practitioners or a ketamine clinic like just be curious like what's their experience with it and i've seen people who have had 5-meo dmt like once or twice and all of a sudden they're getting out the sage in the pipe and they're going to start <laughs> facilitating. Yeah. And like advertising on Facebook and shit. And like, uh, advertising on Facebook. What the hell? Oh, I've, I've seen it. Yeah. And people, I, I mean, there's, I see like mushroom stuff. I see in all, like all kinds of crazy stuff advertised on Instagram, mm. like uh, mushroom, I think a mushroom ceremony in another country. Yeah, so being mindful of who you're with, what and you're with. Yeah, and it's totally natural to want to share these things with other people, but know that, like, if you give a friend medicine, all of a sudden they could project all their shit onto you, their trauma. You could, I mean, there's, I've read s stories, uh, I think it was in one of Groff's book, but, you know, the clinicians are there, and here's the, the person on LSD, all of a sudden, the LSD person on LSD sees the clinicians at or the clinician as their rapist. Mm -hmm. Like their face changes, and someone I know, like they all of a sudden they look like some sort of interdimensional alien about to rape uh, this person. But like shit, like really difficult stuff can get projected out onto you, and then you're to blame. So you always got to be careful about like yeah. who you're sharing with. Be really wise and know that it could backfire. Yeah. Does it, it doesn't matter if you have good intentions. That's not yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has happened to me. So when I first like did um, ecstasy a couple of times and I had a real good experience, but I had read about it before and I kind of knew um, how to orient myself and what to be thinking about, what direction to go, what questions to ask myself. Um, and I had a really great experience. And one time, <clears throat> I was very evangelical about like mm -hmm. ecstasy at that time. One time, uh, I told a friend of mine, it was uh, maybe the 4th of July or something like that. And we went to some like nature part of Austin. 
And I, I gave the STC to her and I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to know. And then when it, for a little bit, I was like, ah, oh, it's maybe it's not working or something. And then it hit and she just started crying. Just, just, I was like, what the actual fuck is going on? I thought like ecstasy was this thing. <laughs> and it turned out that, so she had been in a relationship with another friend of mine and they had had a really bad breakup and she she had been like very sensitive about this whole thing, kept it like repressed, very, very deeply affected by this trauma to the point where she developed some kind of like a vision problem because of this constant mm-hmm. stress. There will be these black spots that appear mm-hmm. because of some cells that have died from this stress. Mm-hmm. And it she just couldn't hold it in anymore. It just... Oh, the floodgate opened. I was mortified. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do right now. So like I gave her all the kind of support that I could at that time. And then afterwards, like I felt so guilty, so guilty mm-hmm. because I didn't know. And um, But how was she after? Okay. So, so I felt really guilty about that. And then um, at some other point of time, she didn't say anything. She was like, it's all right. Um, at some other point of time when we met, she said, Neil, I know that you feel guilty about this, but you don't have to feel that guilty because, uh, because of that experience, although it was kind of, um, it was, it was bad for me. I have been able to work with that in a way that I couldn't before. So it's like a lot less repressed now. And I was like, okay, but I still feel guilty because that wasn't Mm -hmm. my intention. I didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I've become a lot less evangelical about psychedelic experiences. And I think now I do have more of an intuition about who it will be better to give it to and who not. Like if you're just like looking for some kind of, uh, an escape from a problem, really there's like this hankering, this craving, Mm -hmm. I need to do this in order to like, and it's going to make me all better. I'm like, no, okay, okay, okay. We do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's, of course, like, people for whom you know that once they, their ego starts to kind of destructure and disassemble, it's gonna freak the fuck out. Yeah. And it's not gonna be a pleasant experience, and they don't know, or, I mean, when I was seeking this out, I already had some measure or some knowledge that this deconstruction of the ego is good for me. Yeah. For some people, it could be the worst thing in their entire life. So uh, I've become a lot, I've calmed down a lot more about wanting to completely revolutionize everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm a lot more measured. Like if you know, I wait until like I figure, okay, this person like really wants it and they have the like right intentions and like I tell them like these are the things that you have to kind of keep in mind. And, yeah. Well, I hope you can be kind to yourself about that experience you helped that yeah 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 it just kind of (laughs) yeah that's the thing sometimes in the moment it looks like hell Mm -hmm. um but then it's exactly what you need and healing comes from it you know like an unwinding it sounds like she was able to unwind what happened with her eye does she still have that i don't know I don't know about that. It's not something that I bring up with her because it's yeah. very, very like sensitive. Yeah, I hope you can very, 
be kind to yourself about that. Yeah, I think the the two of them are kind of in better touch now. At that time, it was like very difficult for me actually when that happened because I was friends with both of them. Oh, yeah, that's always But funny. they're like on the two opposite ends of the universe and I'm going from one to the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's hard. And all this second guessing, how is this person considering the fact that I also hang out with this other person that they like really hate like how much of that are they projecting onto me and it's like, yeah yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's, yeah so i want to ask you a little bit about uh the connection between yoga and um psychedelics that you mentioned mm-hmm. i've i'm not super experienced with yoga i've been doing bikram yoga since august of 2018 going pretty consistently five-ish days a week mm. and using it as a way to ground myself into my body and it is it's such a an intense ungodly intense experience that um you have to be more embodied like after you're done with a session it's just you get there um and i started realizing that psychedelics are doing this thing where they kind of they stretch you they sometimes put you into orgasmic positions or really uncomfortable positions and it is it's like a corollary to these things we do with our bodies to contort ourselves into maybe unnatural so-called unnatural positions in the interest of becoming more functional and stable right where we are in the moment when we're not doing yoga or when we're meditating so I've just I've had the experience with ketamine, kind of with LSD, where there's this stretching that takes place and this expansion. And sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I would find myself getting into some of the material that came up in my psychedelic experiences during yoga and just focusing on it and going into it and allowing me my the discomfort in my body to connect with the uncomfortable emotions, allowing myself to feel all these things. And I realized it's this amazing way to integrate. It's, I mean, even if you're not doing psychedelics, pretty, I think pretty much everyone should be doing yoga. It's such a, an amazing gift to the world that came from the East. Um, but if you are in psychedelics, using it as a corollary with your body so that you're not becoming unbalanced with just, because it can turn into a lot of head trips if you're using mushrooms and, and LSD. So it's a way to keep keep the energy circulating into your body and like honor all of this, like the, the fleshy parts, not just the all the neurology in our brain and realize that our feeling states come very much from all this that we are, not just our brain because our our culture really focuses on the brain and neurochemistry but yeah so much going on that we barely even understand and when you do yoga consistently you have to connect to the parts of yourself where you're in balance and the way you move all that stuff comes up just like with psychedelics with imbalances in your personality and none of it is distinct it's all connected yeah I i used to be much more of a neurotic kid and I also grew up within a culture that is super intellectual. Physical sport is almost looked down upon. And so for the longest time, 
I tried to seek answers to the constant anxieties and questions in other thoughts and like figure it out. And it was only when I started in grad school that in the company of some other friends who had grown up in other backgrounds that I started doing physical sport more. And over time, I kind of did notice how much of an impact like regular exercise can have on your mood. Yes. And so the whole script changed in my mind. I was like, you don't have to figure out a whole theory Mm -hmm. just to go do some rock climbing for like an hour. Mm -hmm. Your whole world is going to be different. And at the same time that it was a kind of disillusionment because I've always been a very intellectual person and I kept like thoughts and intellect at at the top of everything. That's the way of figuring everything out. So it's in a way it was a kind of backstabbing of that. But, but it was also a great liberation. I was like, phew, I feel so relieved that I don't have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, even if there is some real figuring out that I need to do, better to do it after a bout of exercise yeah. than before. I mean, your brain's yeah. attached to your body, but your yeah. brain works better when your body is yeah. taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's value in connecting to that really animal part of ourselves that's just really fucking tough and strong Mm. and you have to really struggle your ego has a struggle with getting back into that and almost being masochistic sometimes with exercise where you're just really willing to throw yourself into that Mm. uh that pain and then i feel like it actually alleviates suffering down the road i i frame it to myself as choosing pain and difficulty now so that suffering doesn't choose me later and I know I'll be healthier and more cancer free or whatever because yeah. I'm I'm choosing this container of hot yoga or running or whatever. Yeah. So and just like with psychedelics, you're kind of putting yourself into a container and trusting your body. I mean you exercise and you trust your muscles get bigger. Yeah. And, and you can also as you keep doing it, I feel like you can develop increasingly develop an intuition to discriminate between the kind of pain that is good for you or Mm. or a signal of like a kind of like distributed burning of your thighs Mm -hmm. is not as bad as like some something where you're actually like injuring yourself Mm -hmm. by doing the sport and and that's not really good for you so so it's not all pain is not on the same platform and as you keep doing this over time you can start to discriminate like what is good and what is bad and your mental maps of those will start to change Mm -hmm. some people start craving the burn because they can see that over time it kind of leads to them getting stronger and better and and more healthy yeah there's so many gifts in the body they're just waiting if you put some stress like cold or heat Mm. evolutionarily things are just waiting to there to help you but you have to dive down and like let it happen you have to get into get into that edge (laughs) where it feels like maybe you're gonna die Mm. you're you're getting these signals yeah you start to just be able to sit with those signals and understand them as a language yeah so uh this is actually more connected to the statement that you made we all tell you that later um are you vegetarian no i go through periods of time where i'm like askance at meat but mm. no why mm. and what are you i have been but not currently okay so you mentioned earlier this whole the, the war on drugs 
um, situation, what it ends up doing is, you know, so some of these people that we might be getting our drugs from might have to pay later and there's, there's some kind of like karmic cost to ourselves that we may not see at the moment. But when you said that, I immediately remembered why I have been thinking of becoming vegetarian for a long time is the externalization of the violence that, that mm. we don't have to do mm. anything about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's usually where, that's usually the last word for most people. Like, wow, you, you don't have to worry. Like someone is, else is doing it. Yeah, the violence is outsourced. Yeah. But now increasingly in my life, I wonder if the universe is as simple as that. That just because you've got away with that, I, f- I feel like there are m- um, many, many different layers of causes and 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 consequences that are at work. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of them are invisible. Mm-hmm. Even if you have to feel no remorse, you don't even have to have a mental picture of this having been an animal as you're eating it. I wonder if we can ultimately get away with it. So I'm not. I'm not convinced. I and wonder so, too. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so that keeps coming up in my head, like because I know that I am a sensitive enough person that I will, I can't even watch an animal like be, being like worked on or whatever for even scientific purposes. That's why I've like never gone down that road in science where you, you have to like dissect mm-hmm. mice. I have colleagues in the neuroscience department that cut open like um, ape skulls. And put like a camera, and the ape is still like alive and everything, and it's looking at things on computer screen, and you look at what the brain is doing, oh. and I hear about this stuff, but I'm like I will, but never be able. And I look at them and like they look like just like regular people going about. I would not. I would be. I would not be able to. I would be traumatized if I had to do something like that. So, but that is exactly the thing that is happening every time I go out and like buy meat or or consume it it seems way too convenient that there's this separation some something kind of dishonest about that Hmm. yeah i feel tons of guilt yeah so i don't know i feel like there's something different about if you go out and take responsibility for it yourself and shoot a deer deer hunting in nature um there's something about having that connection to the death and being able to do it in a way that's meaningful, maybe in a more traditional way, like a, you know, I don't know, a Native American would do it or a really good hunter. There's something about that relationship I think would change yeah. rather than from a package. Yeah. That's but it's hard to, good. it's hard to get to that point where you're going out and harvesting yeah. meat. Yeah. 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 We'll need to buy a deep freeze. <laughs> doing that. Um, okay. So, uh, this is our penultimate topic that I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, transpersonal experiences. Mm-hmm. You've touched on them a little bit, yeah. but I want to know more about what, what you mean by transpersonal experiences. And you've also talked about it. Um, well, transpersonal are things that encompass all, so... And there are other ways to define it, but that's kind of how I define it. How do you... I wish I would have looked up the definition and given you the definition. Well, you can talk about what transpersonal feels like, what people see, like what you've experienced as transpersonal. Um, those moments of feeling 
one with everything. Mm. Um, the times when time is folding in on itself, that's a transpersonal experience where you're experiencing yourself in this time, but in past times. Um, Sorry, my brain. I'm like we've been talking for some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it it can get into living. the. I've had experiences where I feel more like an animal in a sense, and I'm grunting, and energy is moving through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you're out of this normal mask of the persona, and maybe even getting, sometimes we might in a psychedelic experience go right into a complex and just experience that complex and kind of become it. Almost like if if you had a knot on your back, like a, a muscle that's out of whack, if you could somehow locate your consciousness in that and then try to unwind it, that's kind of what happens on a psychological level. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just it's very easy to get away from me experiencing myself as, as a normal person. And because some of it is so strange and alien, it's easy to for people to toss it away. And I see people talking about the images that come up in dreams or in ketamine experiences or other medicines and they just think it's it's something weird or random and yeah so yeah. though i see them as communications and they're valuable mm-hmm. and so i try to get people to stick with their images and in this and my own personal experiences i very rarely have specific images of anything so it feels like my brain is still trying to come up to that level well and transpersonal can also be experiences of birth or pre-birth um i've had experiences of my conception on psychedelics i've had um, experiences of being in the womb rebirthing those types of things happen and people who are working with these medicines need to be aware of those and prepared for when those things are happening with someone who has been administered ketamine or other psychedelics that will be becoming legal in the future. One of the best things anyone can do is read Sam Groff's book on LSD. There's LSD psychotherapy, which is a bit more clinical, and there's LSD doorway to the numinous. Like, if you're planning on taking a substance or you're going to work with people, even if it's with ketamine. So he has such a great map of the psychedelic experience and what some of the themes might mean because things, there's a similarity with things that come up with people. We're all actually incredibly similar. Mm-hmm. So even the transpersonal is, and the transpersonal is relatable to the personal. So how to get people to, see themselves in this broader context. I'm this entire system that's living in coordination, hopefully with microbiome and um, you're so much more than you know. And those experiences are valuable for jerking you out of that and then collapsing you back. And, um, and I don't even know the answer to some of these questions, but how do we maintain a healthy connection to that other realm? How do we allow it to visit us? Mm-hmm. And how do we not get sucked into just wanting to visit it and dissociating into it and using it as a theater? Mm-hmm. But 
like appreciating it for what it is, being in relationship mm. and realizing that it's you yeah. and not you. Sometimes it's very mm -hmm. strange quantum things happen out there. Yeah. Yes mm -hmm. and no at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the light and the dark yeah. simultaneously. So I want to end this conversation, but I'm just curious about what uh, your views are on like God and religion and the nature of the universe. Because <laughs> you grew up in this fundamentalist Christian background, and after all of these psychedelic experiences, and we just talked about these transpersonal experiences, which I think are kind of like religious experiences. Spiritual, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can, you can't get away from the religious instinct and you go to a fest, a really well done, like uh, any sort of really well done concert, but in particular the ones that revolve around psychedelic type music, there's a feeling of like a temple. You're going into a temple, Reverence. you're having a, yeah. a religious experience in front of this altar. And um, I have shifted out of this idea of monolithic God, who's this singular personality to, I don't even like the word God, it still triggers me, but um, there is like this all pervading life force that I've experienced that connects us all. And I think that we can build new religions of sorts out of things like psychedelic experiences, things like transcendent music experiences, but not, not ones that are controlled by you know sort of a priest class um they're gonna have to look very different almost more on a sort of anarchist model um rules without rulers mm -hmm. so i think i think we don't have to get away from religious instinct we can use it to create things that are that feel really good ultimately and help us be more ethical people without you don't have to think that god's watching over your shoulder like i'm god and yet I'm very human, so um, I'm I'm ultimately responsible, mm -hmm. but not not in like a guilty way. I'm totally yeah. responsible for all of this. Yeah. But there's no punishment. Yeah. We're all a spark of the divine, is my belief, and honoring that without getting stuck in dogma, I think is really important. And we can honor that in so many ways, you know, treating our body well, being kind to others, being kind to ourselves. Um, and I think psychedelics are helpful in reconnecting to that because we lose the memory of that in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and so I think one of my favorite things about taking people into psychedelic experiences is when they can reconnect to that place where they realize that they're nothing, they're everything, they're connected, they're supported, they're never truly alone. Um, I mean, to me, that is a religious experience. I've seen, I would, I ran into a lady the other day who, um, just sort of randomly started talking about medicines and she was saying that 
they're shortcuts and that's why she doesn't want to use them like there's something wrong with that and i looked outside and she pulled up to the house in a bmw i'm like hmm took a shortcut here didn't you (laughs) so like it's not about having a shortcut because Mm -hmm. you can during an experience you can get compressed into time in such a way that it is not short Mm -mm. like there's no you're not getting away with anything you're just it's a tool to be like efficient and to not suffer more than Mm -hmm. you need to well and I feel meditation like I've definitely had experiences of feeling a static oneness through silent meditation um i did a 10 day vipassana retreat yeah me too and like day three or four i was in utter bliss feeling (laughs) one (laughs) one with all there was and then the next seven days i was like how do i get back there how do i get back there how do i get back there So, I mean, meditation, yes, is a great way to get there. Um, But it took me three days of showing up to my cushion at five in the morning and meditating almost constantly until nine at night for three days. We don't have that time. And even the Dalai Lama is think psychedelics are okay because they take us there and we need more people to reach a higher level of consciousness to help ourselves on the planet. And I feel like psychedelics transcend religion. Religion is man-made. I, I hadn't heard it. I surprisingly learned it this recently, but one of the, I think it's an Ayatollah or something in Iran, it's Shia or Sunni, I forget. I get them mixed up. But basically for this whole sect of Islam said psychedelics are okay in this context, like in a therapeutic context. This dude's in in Iran, has a big beard, and you think, you know, it'd be anti-drug, but um like some people in America need to catch up to that. Like even mm-hmm. even the and at the maps uh the MAPS conference here in Austin, like the wife of one of the Navy SEALs who'd done uh, MDMA therapy, she's she's a Christian, probably pretty, probably on the evangelical side, but she's like, this worked. I'm not, I'm not going to take any drugs, but I have my husband back. So I think people are seeing that this and she feels crosses that all God the boundaries. Like her. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's not going to, it can enhance your religion. It might take you out of it, but I've seen it enhance people's christianity too all right that's that's the end of all my questions and i want to thank both of you again it's been fun thank you you created a good uh welcoming safe container and it helped Mm -hmm. the set and setting was very nice (laughs) it helped psyche manifest into the room and so yeah. yeah Thank you for joining us today in the Room of Lives. Take care and maybe I'll see you again.